church, let's pray together and let's uh, lift our voices up together to the Lord and let's ask him to use us to shine his light to our neighborhoods and to the nations. Let's do that together right now. Let's pray. Father, we praise you today. We worship you today, Lord. You are the light of the world. And then you looked at us and said, you are the light of the world. Let your light shine before men. They may see your good deeds. Glorify your Father who is in heaven. Lord, together as a church, we say, use us, God. Use us to shine your light to our neighbors and to the nations. Open our eyes to a big world that you have a heart for, God. And lost people who don't know you, who desperately need to know you. So we say, use us. Use us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And you can have a seat. Well, good morning. Well, I want to start out today a little different. I want to start out with a confession. I emailed you this week and told you I would be confessing something this weekend. I'm going to start out with that. And some of you have been thinking, I wonder what he's going to confess. Maybe he's been skimming off the offerings and he's got this secret slush fund down in the Cayman Islands he's been padding. (laughs) Nope. Maybe he's got these 8,000 square foot mansions and yachts and things that he's been hiding from us and he's going to tell us about that. Nope. I mean, no, I don't have it. I don't have those kinds of things. I don't have an exotic fleet of cars. You've seen my cars, right? Okay. Um, no, I haven't been unfaithful to my wife. In fact, we've been married this year for 25 years this December. So, 25 years. I mean, that's like a quarter century. That sounds like a long time. I don't even feel 25 years old. But we've been married for 25 years and love each other deeply. And uh, no, I don't have children by different women in six states or anything like that. My confession to you today has more to do with my shortcomings as a leader. And some of you are like, well, yeah, you know, it's about time you woke up and saw that. Um, Back in June, I was doing an annual evaluation with one of our staff members. And before we got started, I looked at him and said, you know, I don't know that I'd want to be you. I don't know that I'd want to be in your shoes, having to work so closely with me, a continually morphing and evolving leader. And this person nodded in agreement a little too quickly for my comfort level and said, yes, it is hard. I don't know how I do it. And uh, that's not really the response I was looking for. Um, I didn't dock their pay too much, just a little bit there. But it is the truth. I've been in this role for three years now, and I feel like I'm constantly learning and growing. And I feel that I just need to admit to you openly that I know that how I've led you has been confusing at times, and uh, I regret that. About a year ago, starting to see this, I met with a ministry coach. There's actually these specialists in in the body of Christ called ministry coaches, and I hooked up with one and kind of told him my story and our story at New Life, and when I was all done, he looked at me and he said, Steve, I think that you're confusing your people. You've given them multiple visions of what you see the church becoming, and 
So now they're kind of hanging back. They're kind of tentative. They're kind of waiting to see where you're actually going to land. And uh, he said, I recommend that you stop it. Stop confusing them and get out of the haze and get clear on it. And uh, I paid him a lot of money to tell me that. So I've been taking that to heart this last year. And um, my sense is that this kind of moving target kind of leadership that I've given has caused some of you to become kind of tentative, especially those of you who've been with us for a long time. And I just want to say to you, I am sorry. And uh, I'll get better. And I appreciate your prayers for me. I think I frustrate myself more than I frustrate you. Because I know, I know what good leaders do. I know that good leaders get together with their leadership team and they, they process and they discover God's vision for the local church and they cast it in a compelling way and then they call people and rally them to it and set out to achieve that vision together. I know this. And so I, I'm, I frustrate myself. So this last year I've been seeking God and reading His Word trying to discover my own DNA a little bit more, listening to people, processing with leadership teams, working to get out of the haze. About six months ago, I was telling my team, hey, I think I'm about 40% out of the haze. And they're like, well, that's okay, keep going, you know. And uh, as I stand before you today, I could say I think I'm about 85% out of the haze. It's getting clearer to me. Let me share with you a couple of underlying beliefs I have about the church and vision. And this is still August, and I still feel like I'm talking primarily to new lifers, okay? I like to use August to talk to the church about the church. So if you're a guest here today, love having you. Feel free to listen in. God will have something for you. Just know I'm talking to those of us who call New Life our church and serve God here. I think when it comes to church and vision, we need to understand a couple things, things convictions I've come to, it'll never be perfect. It'll just never be perfect. As long as we have imperfect leaders and imperfect people, it'll never be perfect. It'll never be completely a a finished product. It'll never be in cement, never to change again. Not in the fluid kind of world that we live in. I believe there's there's more than just one God-pleasing way to do church, to have church. I believe God's a God of variety. And if you travel around and see what he's doing in different places, you'll see a kaleidoscope of different expressions of of faith communities. I also believe that just copying a popular model from some other church is not wise. A couple years ago, we did the 40 days of purpose here. Anybody remember that back in early 06? And that's a, a... kind of a tool or a campaign that came out of a church on the West Coast called Saddleback Church and Rick Warren. And I had people ask me afterwards, now, are you bowing at the shrine of Rick Warren? I'm like, no, we just only bow our knee to Jesus Christ around here. tool that we wanted to use to help people, sometimes new people will come in and say, well, are you you Willow Creek? Are you Purpose Driven? Are you North Point? Are you LifeChurch.tv? Do you listen to John Piper or Craig Groeschel or Bill Hybels or Rick Warren? I'm like... Stop. You know, I, I, we listen and learn from all of those people, but we've decided here to not buy in wholesale to any one model and then just try to replicate that here. We don't believe that's what God wants us to do. We think it's unwise. We believe God wants us to discern and discover what, what unique work He wants to do here in this church. And that takes a lot of prayer and looking deeply into the Word of God 
and more prayer and discussion and debate and then more prayer and then discernment and then processing out with a team and listening to God and more prayer. It takes looking at how God has used us in the past in our 23-year history here, seeing the patterns and the foundations that he's laid here. And I just want you to know, as we kind of process out loud, our church leadership team needs your prayers. And this pastor deeply needs your prayers. And some of you tell me that you pray for me, and I am so grateful. I hope you'll continue that. So today, I, I just want to continue letting you, letting you know where I'm at. And I'm a verbal processor. I process out loud as I talk. Any of you like that? And... Um, in fact, I think that just in the past few minutes, I've gone from 85% to 87% out of the haze just by talking to you. So thank you. <laughs> what I'm sharing with you today is what I've been processing out loud with our leadership team over the past year or so. And so today, all of you are my team. And I'd like us to process this together. I believe the starting point in any spirit-directed process for discovering God's vision for a local church must start with the Word of God. Don't you? It's got to start with this book. It's got to start with discovering what God says that He wants all of His churches to be, found in the pages of Scripture. And then grappling with that, with how the Spirit of God wants to flesh that out in our particular setting, in our particular context. But it's got to start with the, with the Word of God. So take your study outlines out of your bulletin, if, if you would. And I've listed there some of the most well-known verses in the New Testament about church and what church is to be and what it's to become. And I want us to, to review this and look at it again. Matthew sixteen eighteen, that great, famous statement by Jesus Christ talking to his disciples and to Peter specifically. And Peter had just confessed that Jesus was the Messiah and that he believed that. And Peter, uh, Jesus said this to him, I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. Would you underline that phrase? I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Aren't you glad to know that we are on the winning team, ultimately? We will prevail with Jesus Christ as our head, our king, our master. In Matthew 28, the Great Commission, Jesus again, talking to his disciples, said, Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Please underline that phrase. Go and make disciples of all nations. How? Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you and the great promise attached to this. Surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. In Acts 1.8, days later, Jesus again, just about ready to leave, looks at these men that he had been training for three years and says this, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He says, I got the world on my mind. I got the world in my heart. Spread the message. Reiterated in Matthew 24, 14, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world. Would you, would you circle that phrase? Whole world. As a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. And then this great doxology in Ephesians 3. To him be glory in the church 
and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. And I say amen to that. From these passages, I pick up several key principles and thoughts about Jesus and his church. First, Jesus is the church builder, not us. Do you see that? I will build my church, he said. Then he said, you go make disciples. I think it's an important distinction. You make disciples, I will build my church. We've got to get those roles straight. We've got to get them right. What we're supposed to be focused on, winning disciples of Jesus Christ, building them up, growing them in the faith, what he's going to do is build his church. I also see that the church is to be a powerful witness to the whole world. Winning disciples to Jesus from among all nations, it says. Literally all ethnic groups. Jesus wants heaven populated with a wide variety of people. He, he gets glory by bringing unity out of diversity. So he says, go to all nations. I also see that as we approach the last days, the church will be actively proclaiming the gospel all over the globe, it says. And then finally, just this reminder, Jesus wants to be glorified in his church. Jesus intends to be glorified in his church. So as our our leadership team has processed this out over the last couple years, we've been captured by a single big idea concept, transformation. Would you say that word with me? Transformation. We believe deeply that God wants this church and has always wanted this church to be about transformation, changed lives. And that's what new life has always been about in its 23-year history. Changed lives for Jesus Christ. We believe God wants this church to become a vital transformation community. As such, we see the gospel as a message of transformation, not just information, but something that will change people's lives. We see discipleship as the process of individuals being transformed incrementally into the image of Jesus Christ. That's what discipleship is. And we see making disciples as spreading transformation to others so that they might experience God's life-changing power. And we believe that God is greatly glorified when his disciples live out the fruit of a transformed life. As Jesus said in John fifteen eight, In this is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. This is one thing that hasn't changed over the years. New life has always been about changed lives for the glory of God. What hasn't always been so clear is how that fleshes out here in our body, in our community. What I started showing you last weekend is how we're seeing transformation flesh out in this church these days. And part of this came out of my desire to have an answer for people, an answer for people who were saying this to me, Steve, just tell me what to do. What am I supposed to do? The Bible is a big book with lots of instructions and lots of directions and lots of commands. Can you you boil it down for me? Can you condense it down? I know God wants to work in my life. I know he wants to change me from the inside out. And I know he wants to use me in the lives of others. So tell me, how do I cooperate with God in this transformation journey and make it simple? So, okay. Three words, pursue, connect, serve. 
Would you say those three things with me? Pursue, connect, serve. Pursue God, connect with a team, and serve others together. I think if, if you do that, you will not go wrong in your life. If you do those three things. If all of us do that, then I can see God turning us into an incredible transformation community for his glory. So let's talk about these three dimensions of what I'm calling lately the T life, the transformed life. First, there's this vertical piece, isn't there? Pursuing God. Pursue. Pursue God. There is no way that any of us will ever be changed or transformed unless we get connected to God. And let's be honest, that pursuit starts with Him pursuing us, right? I mean, God is a pursuer. He chased you down. Sometimes when I pray for lost people who don't know Christ, I'll pray that way. I'll say, God, chase them down. Send the hounds of heaven after them. (laughs) Chase them down and capture their hearts for Jesus Christ. This whole pursuit thing starts with God pursuing us. But when he captures a person's heart, then he says to them, now pursue me. Know me. Know me. There's so much to know. The Bible word is love. It says love God. Love God. And and that's a great word, but it's lost so much in our culture, isn't it? We say we love God and we love pizza and we love the Buckeyes and we love all kinds of things. And I love the word pursue because love is a pursuit, isn't it? Love is a pursuit. And when Jesus called people to himself, what phrase did he use so often? Follow me, follow me, pursue me, come after me, chase me. Pursue. So let me ask, are you pursuing God these days? Are you pursuing him with all your heart? And let me say this, pursuing God is going to involve pursuing the ministry of the Holy Spirit in your life. It is. The Spirit of God, the most active member of the Trinity in this era, in this age. Are you learning to be filled by the Holy Spirit? Do you get up in the morning like I do and say, Holy Spirit, fill me today. Ephesians 5.18. I want to be filled by you today. I want to be emptied of myself and my sin and filled up by you so that Jesus will be increasing in my life and I'll be decreasing. Because people don't need to see more of me. They need to see more of Jesus in me. My family, my neighbors, my friends, my community, my church, our world needs to see more of Jesus in us. Pursue. Pursue God, and we talk about daily quiet time with God. Do you have a heart to pursue God? I love reading through the Psalms, don't you? Those Psalms where you just get David's heart for God. You know, Psalm 63, Oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there's no water. Verse 8, My soul follows hard after you. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. Does your soul long for God? Are you pursuing Him with all you got? Our lives will be changed and transformed in proportion to the time we spend with our holy God. Pursue. Why do we pursue God? Well, we need God, don't we? 
We need God. I want to take those phrases that we used to say around here all the time and kind of refresh them. We need God. Pursue God because we need Him. Would you say that with me? We need God. Do you know how much you need God today? Some of you do and you're nodding your heads like, I know I need Him. I know I need Him. Others of you, you're not quite there. Things are going pretty well. You feel pretty self-sufficient. Let me just tell you, God knows how to bring you to that point where you say, God, I've got to have you or I'm going to die. We need God. Let's say it again. We need God. I need God. You need God. That's that vertical dimension of this transformed life is connecting with God, pursuing Him, chasing after our King. The second piece, though, a second dimension to this transformed life has to do with connecting with other people in a a team. And we've been talking about this lately, teaming up together. You see, you've got to come down off the mountain and be where the people are. Connecting with each other on a team. If pursuing God is developing a dynamic relationship with God, then connecting with a team is cultivating transparent relationships with a few other Christ followers together in a team. Where you're getting honest with each other, you're getting real, masks are coming off, you're doing life together, you're getting transparent. Jay's going to be challenging us with this these next couple weeks, and I'm thrilled that our, our small group season that kind of tracks with the school year is getting ready to kick off this week, and people are going to be reconnecting, and some for the first time. Connect with a team. We see it all over the New Testament in Acts. Jesus talks about loving one another in John 13. James 5.16 says, Confess your faults to one another, your sins to one another. And then that great metaphor we see of the body, interconnected, interlinked, the body connecting with a team. You see, not only do we need to pursue God because we need God, but we need to connect with a team because we need each other. Would you say that with me? We need each other. We do. Have you discovered that yet? 2007 was a very difficult year for me. I faced trials that were beyond my ability to handle. I think one of the reasons God allowed them into my life was so that I would realize anew and afresh how much I need a team around me to support, to care, to love. We need each other. The one I want to talk about the most is this third dimension of a transformed life. Serve. Pursue God Connect with a team and serve others together. Serve. Serve others. My experience, what I've found is that when you get these first two things going in your life, pursuing God and connecting with a team, it produces this kind of internal combustion in you, spiritual combustion that longs for an outlet. It's like, let me at it. (laughs) Let me serve. Give me an outlet. Some people feel like they might explode if they don't have an outlet. And that's where this third dimension comes in, serving others together, engaging in kingdom ministry and mission with your team. Serve, serve. You say, well, is that in the Bible? Yeah, it's all over the place. <laughs> Galatians 5.13 says, serve one another in love. Jesus said, even I, the Son of Man, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give my life a ransom for many, Mark 10.45. 
In that great phrase, becoming one of my favorites in Luke 22, where Jesus said, I am among you as one who serves. I'm a servant. I'm here to serve. Say, why? Because others need us. Others really do need us in their lives. Would you say that with me? Others need us. You see, we need God. And we need each other. But there's a big, hurting, broken world out there full of people who are lost without Jesus Christ and they need us. They need us to represent Jesus to them. To show them the Christ life and what it's like to be the hands and feet of Jesus. They need us to to love them into openness to Christ. I love Jay's phrase that he uses. To love them into openness to Christ through our acts of service. They need us to boldly share the gospel message with them and to help them cross the line of faith into the kingdom of God. And others need us to inspire them to deeper discipleship and commitment to Christ on this journey that we're on. We need to serve others together because others need us. Rick Warren states that in order to keep growing, in order to keep growing, Christ followers need both a ministry to the body and a mission to the world. And while I don't worship at his shrine, I think he's right on that point. We need both. I think I could probably fill an entire sermon talking to you about how teams of new lifers are coming together and ministering in vital ministries inside the walls of this church to infants, to little children, to students, to men, women, married couples, all kinds of vital ministries taking place that Christians, Christ followers have teamed up and this is how they're serving inside the walls of this church. But I want to remind us today that there's also a huge world outside the walls. Jesus said, be my witnesses in Jerusalem, that's where you live and work, and Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And the language he used indicates that he didn't mean now start in Jerusalem and work on that for 10 years. When you get that all finished, then go to Judea. No, it's simultaneous. Both Jerusalem and the ends of the earth at the same time. Be my witnesses. Be taking my my message. We have a mission to the world, don't we? Others really do need us. I'd like to take our remaining time and lay out some of the strategic opportunities I've been seeing you serve in. Some of these outlets for kingdom mission that I'm seeing new lifers team up together and serve in. One of them is church planting. Something our church has always been about. We started as a church plant and we've always had in our DNA around here planting other churches. We believe the church is the hope of the world and we don't want to be the biggest church in the community. We want to church the community. It's too big for one church to reach, wouldn't you agree? But to be able to be a part of planting and giving birth to new congregations all in and around central Ohio is something that just gets us fired up. Church planting. By God's grace, over the last Eight and a half years, we've been able to help give birth to six other churches here in the central Ohio area. All of them were started by teams that came out of this church, New Life Gehenna. In fact, we have a 2020 vision in this 
church. We'd like to help start 20 churches in 20 years, starting back in 1999 with the first church plant. By God's grace, that's going to happen. It's been a while since we've mentioned these other churches. I want to just um, introduce them to you, maybe for the first time or once again, if you've been around for a while. The first church plant coming out of this church took place in 1999 when a team of about 70 people went out from here to the Canal Winchester area and formed a church, the New Life Community Church of Canal Winchester. It's a great church, great leadership team. The church has been through a lot of the last several years. And you can pray for New Life Canal Winchester because today, in fact, right now, they are voting on their senior pastor, their new senior pastor. And that's a step that that church needs to keep pushing forward and and advancing in their kingdom work. New Life Community Church of Canal Winchester. About three years later, in 2002, another team formed around uh, one of our young men who'd been to Bible college, came back. His name is Matt Chittum. And they went to the other side of Columbus, on the west side to Hilliard, and started New Life Church of Hilliard. What a great church this is. Unique church. God's got a unique design and thumbprint on that church. It's a a church for the nations. It's a church that's reaching out across the globe with the love and the message of Christ. A year later, a group of students and a leadership team was sent out from this church down to the campus of The Ohio State University to start a campus church, New Life OSU, and it's a wild place. I mean, it's just a different animal. It's It's a student church. It's a campus church. If you ever get a chance this fall, you know, they, their meetings kind of track with the school year there, and they meet in Campbell Hall on Sunday nights. You ought to go check it out sometime. It's just a different animal. It's a cool thing. Ed Travers is the lead pastor there right now, and he's got a great team around him. New Life OSU started in 03. In 05, one of our uh, beloved staff members, Ken Dillman, started to feel the call to to start a church, and he began to gather a team around him. And in, in the fall of 05, a church was started in the short north called Ecclesia. That's the Greek word for church or assembly, Ecclesia. And they've got a unique ministry down in that community that's a very artistic community, lots of interesting things going on down in the short north. And that church has been planted there by God to serve and minister and bless and share the gospel with that community. About three years old, celebrating, I think, this month. Then in 07, a young man and his wife, Ben and Shendra Miller, actually it started in 05, but they began forming a team. And they had a burden for the Pataskala-Reynoldsburg area. And so right around Easter of 07, the New Life Community Church of Pataskala was launched. It's a great church. has about 80 or 90 people now that are a part of that little community of believers and uh, they're chasing after the king together it's fun to watch and then just really at the beginning of this year big don davis you guys know don pulled a team together of sold out you know foaming at the mouth christ followers just like don and pulled those guys together and started a church on the other side of this town to reach across town with the gospel message it's called the lighthouse and here's a picture of Don baptizing one of their uh, recent uh, new disciples of Jesus who just got saved. And that's what that church is all about, reaching people and helping them find Christ. 
That's our New Life Network of churches. And I'm thrilled now that there are two more churches in the hopper, in the incubator, in the oven. And these will be grandchildren to us. Everything I hear about grandparenting is, makes me want to be one someday. It's a good thing. But it's a New Life OSU, a team has formed out of that church that's getting ready to move to Manhattan in January of 2009 and start a church there. And then as you've heard, Ecclesia and Pastor Ken are spearheading a new work down in Franklinton. And some of you are getting involved with that work. And I couldn't be more thrilled. May their tribe increase. You want to do something with your life that will be an excellent adventure that will outlast you? Become part of a church planting team someday. Listen for the call of God. Church planting. It's a wonderful outlet for kingdom ministry and service. And then here's another outlet at New Life that I see growing. And and I see many New Lifers teaming up to serve our community in practical ways. Loving people into openness to Jesus Christ. Blessing our community. Whether it's the crisis response team that has formed recently, kind of first responders to crises that come up in our community, or the Hannah Lunch Club that we were able to be involved in this summer where we provided free lunches to needy kids in our community, or the ongoing bag hunger campaign, or the Traditions Nursing Home birthday parties that one of our teams goes down every month and hosts a birthday party down there, whether it's Vacation Bible School or Food, Fun, and Fireworks, or this cruise-in that George was telling us about, or the school supply collection that we did recently for needy kids in our community that you gave so generously to, whether it's the IFI team that is forming to minister to international students down on the Ohio State campus, whether it's Franklinton Arts Camp or a new thing we're looking at called community chaplains. All of this is us seeing ourselves as ambassadors for Jesus Christ to our community, blessing people by meeting practical needs, loving them into openness to Jesus because we want them to see Jesus in us. Amen? That's why we serve. Others need us. And then this area of, of relieving suffering, mercy ministry, compassion ministries, is growing around here as well. See, I believe that just like Jesus redeemed people who have his heart, can't turn a deaf ear to injustice and suffering that's taking place in our world. More of us are having our eyes open to this. We want to proclaim the message of Jesus and do the works of Jesus in a broken world. I think of our Costa Rica team that just returned a couple of weeks back, and we, had, we sent out a lot of teams this summer to all parts of the globe, but this team just returned a couple of uh, weeks ago, and they put together a little slideshow to kind of let us know how it went. So check this out on the side screens.
One of the most life-changing things that you can do is team up with a group of, of people and go somewhere. Go and serve. Let God use you. You'll be surprised at the side benefits to yourself when you go on a trip like that. How God opens your eyes and fills your heart with his compassion for people who don't know him. We had a lot of trips and teams go out this summer. I thought of our students who just came back from a mission trip of rebuilding and repairing homes for some elderly folks down on the edge of Appalachia. I think of our ministries in area prisons through the Bill Glass Ministries, sharing the gospel with inmates who desperately need him. And yes, I am going on that trip in, uh, to Dayton in September after being accosted by that team. I think of the disaster relief team that has formed, getting ready to head out to Iowa. This team headed up by Craig Arledge that's uh, headed there to do flood relief and repair for those who, whose lives just got devastated by the spring floods out there in the Midwest. I think of our work in Uganda, of funding an orphanage for AIDS orphans there. I think of the great work of the International Justice Mission in rescuing young girls from the sex slave trade in Southeast Asia and other places. And we want to strengthen our partnership with that ministry. We are called to do our part to help relieve suffering on our world so that lost people will see the Savior in us and want him and want Jesus. Amen? Related to that is what I see as a growing movement in the larger body of Christ towards mobilizing every Christ follower as a missionary through their vocation. Through their vocation. Like right now, a young lady who grew up in this church named Joanna Voorhees, she's using her training over in Kenya to help Kenyans learn to start and manage sustainable businesses in an area where that is sorely needed. All the while she's doing that, she's sharing the love and message and truth of Jesus Christ. I think of our own Joyce Strong, who is a a teacher and a writer by trade. God's been using her background in those areas over in Russia for years, and her current writing project is one that we helped to fund several months back. You might recall a Take Five offering for a book called Fire in the Fatherland. It's going to be a powerful book. It basically includes testimonies from Russians who've gotten saved and whose lives have been transformed by the power of Jesus. And it's going to get read and it's going to spread a fire in Russia as people see their countrymen and countrywomen coming to Christ. Another one of our own, Bob Swaggerty, has been in India now for about seven months and he's using his technical skills to advance God's kingdom through the Hindustan Bible Institute over there with Bobby Gupta in Chennai, India. I think Bob's really a prototype for what I'm hoping many new lifers will do and become in the next years ahead. I hope doctors and lawyers and teachers and social workers and accountants and computer technicians will begin seeing that their vocation is in demand in other parts of the world. And they'll hear the call and they'll go in Jesus' name and they'll live the transformed life in that community and cause people to thirst for God. I got to speak with Bob on the phone this week and uh, he's doing well. I asked him to put a little video together for us so we could kind of keep track with what he's doing over there in, in Chennai. So he did that and he's kind of an artsy guy so he put a little twist to it. So take a look at this one. Welcome to Chennai, India. 
since you weren't able to fly me there, at least I could bring you here and take you to an American place. We call it Sparky's. This is my friend Colin. Hi guys. And he is going to play the part of Pastor Steve. Hi guys. Yes. Tell us, Bob, in what ways do you feel God is using you here these days? Well, Steve, he is using me uh, through HBI uh, in a lot of areas. I've done a lot of videos right now. Getting ready to do probably 10 to 15 videos um, that are going to uh, promote the different areas of HBI and hopefully uh, spread the word about what HBI is doing throughout India to uh, people that are in places like uh, Columbus, Ohio. Um, and then also outside of HBI right now, I'm doing quite a bit. And one of those areas right now is working with a group called WAC. Uh, we're getting ready to start in September a uh, beach camp that's going to take place. Can you tell us, Paul? What opportunities is God opening for you to serve in India? Um, well, it's like the beach camp. Um, you know, coming before coming to India, I had no clue whatsoever that anything like that was going to take place. And um, you know, through a, a couple of conversations, uh, through a, a camp that I uh, attended in April, all of a sudden I'm getting the opportunity to uh, hopefully lead 60, 80 young adults. To, to meet God for the first time or at least in a different way. So I'm, I'm very excited that um, uh, God's given me that opportunity. Um, can you just tell us how God is helping you to adjust with all the cultural differences found in India? Um, mainly it's through my friends. Um, and the, you know, they've, they've been there for me to uh, be able to, uh, if, if I have a question about the culture or if, uh, if I have problems with the culture, I can just pull them to the side and hey, just ask them and say, you know, why is it like this? Um, I'll be honest, it, it's been difficult for me to uh, adjust to the culture. Um, God has been there through, through, throughout to help me. Um, you know, a lot of the, some of the problems that I've been having, like, uh, you know, every once in a while we get sick. Um, and just, I miss some of the, some of the comfort zone type things that I have at home. Um, but it's been a blessing. Can you tell us, Paul, what have you learned from all your experiences you've had in India? Um, well, one definitely is to never say never to God or, or anyone else. Um, I was the guy in the church um, you know, five years ago that was the guy that said there's plenty of mission work right here in town to do. Um, I was very comfortable in my life and I had no, no desire or, or reason ever to leave uh, Columbus. And, and uh, I got folks who were going in the, the, with Team India the, uh, in the 2005 year. Coming back from that, I just reinforced myself, saying I would never, ever, ever leave Columbus or places like India. And you see what happened. Uh, probably the other thing that I, I learned would be, uh, um, you know, I said yes to God, and um, it's the second I said yes to God, uh, and it was an argument, it was a, it was a fight. Once I finally said yes, God, I'm going to India. Um, he took care of everything uh, within days. I had about $20,000 worth of expenses that, that, took, uh, that were completed uh, in a matter of days that, that allowed me to get here. And uh, now that I'm here, now that I've gotten past the, uh, I'm never leaving Columbus, um, it's been a blessing. It's been amazing. It's been, uh, you know, when, you're, when you're in that place where you're working, uh, where God wants you to work, uh, it's the best place that you can be. By the way, if you have an interest in seeing what's happening here in India and what I'm doing, um, please visit my blog site. It's swags, updates, 
www.blogspot.com. Um, there you can basically see everything that has taken place from the time that I said yes uh, to, to where I'm at now, and I keep it updated about once a month, so please visit the site. Uh, if you want to send me an email, please drop an email to me. I'd love to hear from you. It's uh, bobswaggerty at gmail.com. I gotta get back to work, so I'll see you guys soon. Steve? Thank you very much for the nice talking to you. Uh, those creative types, you always got to rein them in, you know. Give them an inch and they take a mile. No, did you hear what Bob said? He said, when I said yes to God, when I said yes to God, God took care of all the rest and just made it happen. Church, others need us. Not only that, we need to serve. We need to serve. One of the other outlets I am hoping and praying that we'll get to be more involved in is just exporting prayer out beyond this place to other, other churches and other places. I think God's starting a prayer movement here in this church. And I'd like to see that just spill over and just spread. And um, that would be an awesome thing. So, Steve, what, what am I supposed to do to cooperate with God in this process of being transformed into the image of Christ? Pursue, connect, serve. Pursue God, connect with a few others in a team, serve Him together. Why? We need God, we need each other, and others need us. Would you bow your heads with me? And I just want to ask you, I just want to ask you right now, What's God been saying to you that you need to say yes to him to? What tug on your heart have you been feeling from God? That maybe like Bob said, you've been arguing back. No, you've been giving him all the reasons why you can't do that or that's, it's, it's your greatest fear or whatever. Is there something like that in your life that God's been calling you to and you need to say yes to God? Would you lift your hands if that's true of you? I need to say yes to God regarding some area of serving him in kingdom, ministry, or mission. Anybody else? Just keep your hands raised for a few moments. I got mine raised. Father, you have a heart for the world. You have a heart for lost people who don't know Jesus Christ. And Lord, we've been taught and we read in your word that your plan is to use us, to use people to reach people. So use us, God. And Lord, I want to say yes. You know I've been feeling your tug for a while about India, and it's, I have some fears about that that you know. Yet, Lord, I want to say yes to you. God, I want to be used by you, and many, many of us do. And we pray, Lord, that you would help us to engage in that pursuit of you. Lord, to, to get into community with others who are like-minded and share our faith in you. And Lord, then to team up together and go and serve. In your name to love people into openness to Christ. Use us, Lord, as a church. Take us where you want us to go. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.